This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to I'm Jade Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. Archaeologists studying prehistoric cave paintings recently announced that certain mysterious marks found on cave walls might actually be humankind's very first attempt at the written word. Now imagine that first scribe struggling with the perfect choice of words or with a demanding editor, or perhaps worst of all, trying to conquer a bad case of writer's block. No longer, because there's an app for that, and it's churning out perfect prose, suitable for notes and letters, reports and term papers, words that read, well, like a human wrote them. All this month, our David Pogue is examining the brave new world of artificial intelligence. This morning, he asks if AI has the right stuff. 
This website can do your writing for you. Anything you ask for. It's freaking a lot of people out. Do we want eighth graders to have this technology write their assignments for them? These technologies are taking the cost of generating misinformation and driving it down towards zero. I consider it to be a disaster. Coming up on Sunday morning, what's going to happen to writing? For his story this morning, Ben Mankiewicz heads off to Wyoming, where the very legendary Harrison Ford is talking about L.A. action movies and his new TV show. My running dismount days are over, darling. In his new series, Harrison Ford may look like a real cowboy, but it wasn't always that way. Like when you made the Frisco Kid, did you ride a horse then or did you have to fake your way through it? Ask me, can you ride a horse? Can you ride a horse? Sure, sir, I can ride a horse. That's what you said then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harrison Ford, back in the saddle, later on Sunday morning. As for our Jim Axelrod, he'll take us to an archive dedicated to the craft of comedy, featuring a brand new collection that chronicles the comic genius of the great Carl Reiner. They've got a frock from Lucy, Seinfeld's ruffled shirt, and now opening at the National Comedy Center, the Carl Reiner Archives. Would that have given him pleasure? Oh, he would have loved that. Yeah, he would have loved that, because in no way would he ever have expected that to happen. It's supposed to be tight! (laughs) The life's work of comedy great Carl Reiner, on display this Sunday morning. Rita Braver remembers President Lyndon Johnson, a gifted lawmaker undone by the war in Vietnam. Plus, a story from Steve Hartman, commentary from David Sedaris, and more. This Sunday morning, January 22nd, 2023. We'll be right back. Suddenly, it seems everyone is talking about artificial intelligence. And one of its most talked about advances is AI's ability to write almost anything, from a recipe to a last minute report for your college class. We asked David Pogue if AI gets passing marks. I'm about to give you a software demo that I bet you'll never forget. It's artificial intelligence that writes for you, any kind of writing you like. Write a limerick about the effect of artificial intelligence on humanity. There once was AI so grand, it could help us with tasks at hand. But it also might do harm if its actions lack charm. So we must use it with care and command. Now, I didn't want you to have to read a bunch of text off the screen. So I've asked voice artist Keaton Talmadge to read ChatGPT's examples for us. Hey, Keaton. Hi. Thanks so much for doing this. Of course. Ready for the next one? Let's do it. Okay, let's try this tell the Goldilocks story in the style of the King James Bible. And it came to pass in those days that a certain young damsel named Goldilocks did wander into the dwelling of three bears who were away from their home. It's called ChatGPT, which is just about the clunkiest name ever. Oh, want to know what it stands for? Generative pre-trained transformer. Well, that's helpful. Point is, ChatGPT can write anything. Letters, song lyrics, research papers, recipes, 
therapy sessions, poems, essays, outlines, even software code. Within five days, over a million people were using this thing. Then Microsoft announced it would build it right into Microsoft Word. And then the first books written by ChatGPT have already been published. Well, self-published by people. I think this is huge. I wouldn't be surprised 50 years from now people look back and say, wow, that was a really seminal set of inventions that happened in the early 2020s. Eric Brynjolfsson is a Stanford professor and director of Stanford's Digital Economy Lab. Most of the U.S. economy is knowledge and information work, and that's who's going to be most squarely affected by this. I would put people like uh, lawyers right at the top of the list, obviously a lot of copywriters, um, screenwriters. But I like to use the word affected, not replaced, because I think if done right, it's not going to be AI replacing lawyers. It's going to be lawyers working with AI replacing lawyers who don't work with AI. <laughs> but not everyone is delighted. There's this thing called ChatGPT. Heard of it? <laughs> no. I've been under a rock, so yeah, no, no, no idea. So confused. Timnit Gebru is an AI researcher specializing in the ethics of AI. I think that we should be really terrified of, 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 of this whole thing. ChatGPT learned how to write by examining millions of pieces of writing on the Internet. Unfortunately, believe it or not, not everything on the Internet is true. It wasn't taught to understand what is fact, what is fiction, or anything like that. It'll just sort of parrot back what, I, what was on the Internet. And sure enough, it sometimes spits out writing that sounds authoritative and confident, but is completely bogus. The first woman president of the United States, Hillary Rodham Clinton, served as the 45th president of the United States from January 20th, 2017 to January 20th, 2025. And then there's the problem of deliberate misinformation. Experts worry that people will use ChatGPT to flood social media with phony articles that sound professional, or bury Congress with grassroots letters that sound authentic. We should understand the harms before we proliferate something everywhere uh, and mitigate those risks before we put something like this out there. But nobody may be more distressed than teachers. Here is why. Write an English class essay about race in To Kill a Mockingbird. In Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird, the theme of race is heavily present throughout the novel. The story takes place in Maycomb, Alabama during the 1930s. Some students are already using ChatGPT to cheat. Check this out, check this out. Sabi ko dito, write me a 500-word essay proving that the earth is not flat. No wonder ChatGPT has been called the end of high school English, the end of the college essay, and the return of the handwritten in-class essay. You don't need to know structure or syntax or vocabulary or grammar or spelling. The piece I also worry about, though, is the piece about thinking. Jane Rosenzweig is the director of the Writing Center at Harvard. When we teach writing, we're teaching people to explore an idea to understand what other people have said about that idea and to figure out what they think about it. A machine can do the part where it puts ideas on paper, but it can't do the part where it puts your ideas on paper. The Seattle and New York City school systems have banned ChatGPT. So have some colleges. The idea that we would ban it 
is up against something bigger than all of us, which is it's soon going to be everywhere. It's going to be in word processing programs. It's going to be on every machine. Some educators are trying to figure out how to work with ChatGPT to let it generate the first draft. Students will stop being writers and they will become editors. My initial reaction to that was, are we doing this because ChatGPT exists? Or are we doing this because it's better than other things that we've already done? OpenAI declined our requests for an interview, but offered a statement. We don't want ChatGPT to be used for misleading purposes in schools or anywhere else. Our policy states that when sharing content, all users should clearly indicate that it is generated by AI in a way no one could reasonably miss or misunderstand. And we're already developing a tool to help anyone identify text generated by ChatGPT. They're talking about an algorithmic watermark, an invisible flag embedded in the writing that can identify its source. There are ChatGPT detectors, but they probably won't stand a chance against the upcoming new version, ChatGPT4, which has been trained on 500 times as much data. People who've seen it say it's miraculous. A very senior person who's been working on it, he basically described it as a phase change. You know, it's like going from water to steam. It's just a whole nother level of, of ability. Like it or not, AI writing is here for good. Stanford's Eric Brynjolfsson um, suggests I, that we embrace it. I think we're going to have potentially the best decade of flourishing of creativity that we've ever had because a whole bunch of people, lots more people than before, are going to be able to contribute to our collective art and science. But maybe we should let ChatGPT have the final word. I worry about ChatGPT's effects on education, misinformation, and jobs. ChatGPT is a tool that can be used for a variety of purposes, both positive and negative. It is important for society as a whole to have ongoing conversations about the responsible development and deployment of AI technology. Thank you. You're welcome. If you have any other questions or concerns, feel free to ask. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Today, exactly half a century after his passing, correspondent Rita Braver looks back on the life and times of our 36th president, Lyndon Baines Johnson. It is an indelible image, 
Aboard Air Force One, just hours after President John F. Kennedy's tragic assassination, Lyndon Baines Johnson is sworn in as president, flanked by his wife, Lady Bird, and Kennedy's widow, Jacqueline. She wanted, as did Lyndon Johnson, the country and the world to see that there was a continuity in government. No words are sad enough to express our sense of love. And historian Mark Updegrove, president of the LBJ Foundation, says that what started out as an accidental presidency would become one of the most consequential, yet unappreciated, in American history. His legacy was undervalued. He believed that he could make America a better place for its underprivileged people. Perhaps no one knows more about Lyndon Johnson than historian Robert Carroll. We caught up with him at the New York Historical Society, where his archives are stored. He's still working on the final volume of his series on the man born in 1908 in Texas Hill Country. Johnson's father at one point had been successful, but then he lost everything and Johnson pretty much grew up as a poor boy. He grew up in poverty in a land without electricity, where the soil was so rocky that it was hard to earn a living from it. What are Lyndon Johnson's defining characteristics? He has the ability, the genius, there's no other word for it, to turn compassion into legislative achievement. In fact, pushing the Voting Rights Act of 1965, Johnson recalled the prejudice he saw directed against Mexican-American children he taught during college. It never even occurred to me in my fondest dreams that I might have the chance to help the sons and daughters of those students. But now I do have that chance. And I'll let you in on a secret. I mean to use it. Your dad's office was right there? This is my father's office right here. And this Lucy Baines Johnson says that whether it was here at the LBJ Ranch in Stonewall, Texas, now a national park, or back in Washington, she and her sister Linda saw the bond between their father and their mother, Claudia Taylor Johnson, known as Lady Bird. Did your father come to your mother for advice? He felt that she was one person that would tell him that there was spinach in his teeth <laughs> and tell him the truth in a way that he could hear it. There is no end to Lyndon Johnson's ambition. Elected to the House at age 28, he wins a Senate seat a decade later, quickly amassing power to become, as Robert Carroll dubs him, Master of the Senate. Lyndon Johnson becomes Majority Leader on January 1st, 1955. For six years, the Senate is the center of government creativity, energy, and uh, getting things done. Still, when Johnson decides to run for president in 1960, he loses the Democratic nomination to John F. Kennedy, the charismatic young senator from Massachusetts. And then... I've reached the conclusion that it would be the best judgment of the convention to nominate Senator Lyndon B. Johnson of Texas for the office of vice president. But once Johnson helps JFK win the election, was he happy with how he was treated in the administration? Lyndon Johnson was miserable in, in the vice presidency. It certainly didn't suit Lyndon Johnson, who always wanted to be in charge. 
So welcome to our Oval <laughs> Office. <laughs> when Johnson did suddenly find himself in the Oval Office, recreated here at the LBJ Library in Austin, Mark Updegrove says the new president was quickly able to win passage of JFK's stalled civil rights bill, barring discrimination in employment, public accommodations, and more. I urge every American to join in this effort to bring justice and hope to all our people. And after a landslide victory in 1964, I, Lyndon Baines Johnson, do solemnly swear, six-foot-four LBJ would perfect what's known as the Johnson treatment. He would put his arm around you if he was trying to persuade you of something, and he'd lean into your face and talk to you nose-to-nose -nose like that. President Johnson would push through scores of significant bills, including his signature War on Poverty and Great Society legislation. There's a shadow box in the LBJ library containing the pens that LBJ used to sign landmark bills into law in just that one year, 1965. A head start, Medicaid, Medicare, the National Endowment for the Arts, the National Endowment for the Humanities, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, Federal Aid to Education, the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, and the Voting Rights Act. And that is one year of the Lyndon Johnson presidency. And then there is the war in Vietnam. And then there's the war in Vietnam. Lyndon Johnson believes heartily in the domino theory, that if you let a nation fall to communism, other nations will fall in turn. Under Johnson, the number of U.S. troops in Vietnam increased from 20,000 to 548,000, provoking mass demonstrations across the country. It was breaking his heart, and he thought after all the years of service that he had had, he ought to be able to find a way to resolve it. At the same time, despite Johnson's efforts on civil rights, there were anti-discrimination riots in many urban areas. And so, with his popularity plummeting, I shall not seek, and I will not accept, the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Lyndon Baines Johnson, who'd been dealing with numerous health issues, retired to his Texas ranch. Fifty years ago today, he suffered a heart attack at age 64 and died. His legacy still debated. Lyndon Johnson to young Americans may be the commander-in-chief who escalated the war in Vietnam, but I don't think they understand the magnitude of the Lyndon Johnson presidency and what Lyndon Johnson does to harness the power of government to make a better America. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. For most of us, the word museum conjures up a place filled with statues or paintings or dinosaurs. But Jim Axelrod is taking us to a very different kind of collection, perfectly situated in Lucille Ball's hometown. At first glance, it looks like just another group of tourists drawn to the National Comedy Center in Jamestown, New York to see artifacts like Lucy's polka-dotted frock. I don't have a lot of clothes. Ah. Jerry Seinfeld's ruffled shirt. Is that what you're wearing? The monologue is going to bring tears to your eyes. The curtains from The Tonight Show. Three, two, one, cut! But this is no ordinary group of tourists. It's the family of comedy legend Carl Reiner, here to open the archive named in his honor. When I say the Carl Reiner Department of Archives and Preservation, what washes over you all? That he had a life that needed to be archived and preserved. You got a cigar? Cigar? No. Give me a dollar. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. His three children, the well-known actor and director Rob Reiner, Annie, a psychoanalyst, and Lucas, an artist, have donated 75 boxes of their dad's scripts, screenplays, and photographs to the center. You got a guy from the Bronx who seems to be heading off for a career repairing sewing machines. <laughs> and he ends up with part of a museum named after him. A museum. Would that have given him pleasure? Oh, he would have loved it. Yeah, he, yeah. he would have loved that because in yeah. no way would he ever have expected that to happen. Yeah. Carl's impact on film was everything from noir to silly. The museum's director, Journey Gunderson, is thrilled to have every one of the 18,000 pages of Reiner's work. One of the things that we can showcase is process. You see multiple drafts of every script. You see handwritten notes in the margins. You see the painstaking effort that went into the fine-tuning of the laugh. Didn't anyone ever teach you how to make a GI nut? It's supposed to be tight! <laughs> His career spans seven decades, creating American comedy's royal lineage. That was the last straw! You asked for it, buddy! A second banana to Sid Caesar on your show of shows. <laughs> the straight man to Mel Brooks's 2,000-year-old man. In other words, you're afraid to fly in an airplane. On the nosy. I see, but why? Because if the good Lord meant man to fly, he would have given him tickets, right? We paint him into a corner, and then Mel had to come up with something brilliant to, to get out of it. He loved doing that. He loved getting, getting those things out of people. The Dick Van Dyke Show. Starring Dick Van Dyke. Creator of The Dick Van Dyke Show about a young sitcom writer, but loosely based on Reiner's own life. Huh? Would you like these? What, 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 do you, what do you suggest I do with all of these now, huh? 
I think of him sitting at his desk the first five years of my life writing The Dick Van Dyke Show. That was we, his favorite. You know, you saw that spirit there. Yeah. And Great. that humor. Fathered to one of the stars of perhaps the greatest sitcom ever. So, uh, you're Mr. Bunker. You figured that out, huh? <laughs> Husband to the woman who delivered one of film's oh. all-time great one-liners. I'll have what she's having. And mentor to the likes of Steve Martin, Lily Tomlin, and Bette Midler. Listen, he got 12 Emmys, he got the Mark Twain Prize, but he never thought about those things. The greatest gift was his ability to give to other people and give his humor and make people feel good. Can you see the chairs? In one corner of a room at the National Comedy Center, you'll find the soul of the archive. Two chairs from Carl Reiner's den. That got me more than anything. Where he and Mel Brooks, now 96, would eat dinner and watch TV every night. After Brooks's wife, Anne Bancroft, and Reiner's wife, Estelle, had both died. They talked a lot about old music and old actors and old movies. They so, took a lot of naps yeah. because they were old. The men who'd formed one of comedy's great partnerships had an even more meaningful connection, their friendship. And after he passed away, for the longest time, Mel would year. go one year. A whole one year, year, he would go over to the house and sit there, have dinner, and watch television when my dad wasn't there for a whole year. Carl Reiner died in June of 2020, when everyone was distracted by the pandemic. Perhaps his life and legacy weren't celebrated the way they deserved to be. But now, how Carl Reiner shaped our culture is on brilliant display at this museum. His humility. I'm standing here because Sid Caesar and Mel Brooks and Mary Tyler Moore and Dick Van Dyke and Steve Martin were in my life. That's the truth. And that's all I got to say. His humanity. His humor and a command of how to live life that was also museum quality. People have always asked me his influence. Did he uh, give you advice? The advice I got from him was just watching him, how he conducted his career, how he conducted his life. And I said, that was the greatest lesson I could get. It was how he lived his life was the greatest advice I could get. find David Sedaris's commentary just perfect. I travel across America twice a year, making lots of stops along the way, and each time the country feels a little different. On this latest trip, I noticed an increased use of the word perfect, not as an adjective, a perfect spinach souffle, a perfect figure eight, but as a response to a statement. We're on the 8.30 flight. Perfect. I'll have the eggs over easy. Perfect. I don't mind perfect, it's just something I noticed. I also noticed a lot more men addressing me as boss. I'd like to check out of my room. All right, boss. Why does that bother me so, I wondered. 
In a restaurant one morning, my waiter came around with the coffee pot. Top you off, boss? I don't want to be a pill, I said, but please don't call me that. What would you want me to call you instead, he asked. Sir would work, I told him. I mean, it's what I'd call you. I thought for a moment that Mr. was an option, though that's what a child would say. Hey, Mr., you dropped something. It's at least earnest, though. There always seems to be a smirk behind boss. It's like addressing a woman as princess. So you'll have a latte and anything else, princess? My father used to call other men Sonny, not if they were kids or wore suits and ties, but only if they were his age and pumped his gas or carried his golf clubs. It made my sisters and me cringe. It was like he was rubbing their noses in something. Chief had a similar ring to it, as did sport. In England, you hear mate. Who do you say mate to, I asked my British friend Dave. People, I think, will say it to me, he answered. In that regard, it's like man. Hey, man, you dropped your wallet. I always thought sir came after man, and I'm hoping that boss is just a passing phase like dude was. In the meantime, I'll continue to gently correct people, and in response, they'll nod the way you do when you're only half listening and say, perfect. That famous fedora and whip helped make Harrison Ford one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Now, at the age of 80, he's bringing Indy back while taking on a new TV series. Ben Mankiewicz catches up with the legendary Harrison Ford. Come here, Coop. Walking with Harrison Ford and his horse Cooper, you'd think he's been riding all his life. Somebody sent me up to uh, casting guy at, at Columbia Pictures. First question he asked me is, could you ride a horse? I said, sure, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. He said, can you speak Spanish? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and could you do either? No, I, 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 I certainly couldn't ride a horse and I certainly couldn't speak Spanish. I love actors. But I could lie. <laughs> the, <laughs> no, uh... And that was the main talent of an actor. Riding came when he left Hollywood and moved here 40 years ago to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I think I know the answer, but what, why'd you want to get out of LA? Because uh, it's LA <laughs> and it's a city uh, and I, I don't have to be there for work, so might as well enjoy a different kind of life. You attack my family, it's gonna be the last thing you ever do. Four decades later, Art is once again imitating life. Jacob, you can't start a range war. Range war's already started. This big-time movie actor is starring in a TV series, and it's being made in Wyoming's neighbor to the north, Montana. Tell the world what happens when they cross me. The role comes from the creator of the hit show Yellowstone, Taylor Sheridan, for his new prequel series, 1923 which is now streaming on our sister service, Paramount+. Plus. Sheridan wrote the lead character specifically for Harrison Ford. I was knocked out when I got the scripts. The, the ambition and the, the bold storytelling, uh, it's audacious. Ready and action. 1923 is a complicated show. One part moving, two parts brutal. It's the story of the American West in the aftermath of World War I. Ford plays Jacob Dutton, a rancher and distant relative to Kevin Costner's character in Yellowstone. 
Jacob's wife, Men kill quick. is another movie star, Helen Mirren. But their fight is with me, and I kill much slower. Helen was a big part of the, the lure of it all for me. If you try to jump from that horse and run, you're going to break something. Because as much as we're telling the story of the condition of the West at that particular time, there's also a very important central relationship here between uh, husband and wife. The marriage that we're portraying is one of deep, deep, complex partnership between these two people. The series is being produced old school, on location, no CGI, and no relief from the elements. That wind blowing up our skirts is a real wind. We were standing out there doing a scene, and the wind was howling. With the wind chill factor, it was 21 below zero. <laughs> it was real. Ford has long valued being real. Paging Mr. Ellis. There's even a hint of it in a story from his 1966 movie debut called Dead Heat on a Merry-Go-Round. Robert Ellis, room 72. No, sir, Charles Ellis. Room 607. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Oh. The day after that scene, the producer called Ford into his office. He said, uh, saw the dailies from yesterday. You're never going to make it in this business. You're wasting your time. Then the producer told Ford that years earlier, a young Tony Curtis had played a grocery delivery boy and did it with such presence that everyone said, now that's a movie star. And I leaned across the desk and I said, I thought you were supposed to think that that was a grocery delivery boy. He said, get the f*** out of here. Ah, <laughs> uh, you were charming people right from the start, Harrison. Yep. <laughs> Both trap yourselves in. I'm going to make a jump to light speed. Even when he's playing make-believe in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> or outrunning boulders in the Peruvian jungle. Or hunting replicants in futuristic Los Angeles. There's something grounded in Ford's characters. There's a genuine quality to the characters you play, which is clearly, at this point, not an accident. Well, I think I've always, I've gravitated towards those roles in which I play an ordinary person in extraordinary circumstances. Put that gun down! Who finds themselves perhaps behaving in a way they hadn't anticipated. And, and I think that's part of the, the romance of movies, is that you can find your place on screen. You can find a character uh, that, that feels like you. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for an emotional connection to the audience. I don't want to put bull in the way. Yeah. Oh, Cooper. At 80 years old, Ford has been as busy as possible over the last two years. Work has kept him away from his home and his family. I got two projects that were so well written. One, a comedy. My home is my fortress of solitude. Fortress of solitude should be the name of your memoir. Doing for Apple, half-hour comedy, which I never got to do. I'm never going to tell you the name of my memoir. Very spicy today. Well, he's mad because I said memoir, and cl clearly it's... Memoir. memoir. That would make a lot memoir. of people mad. Yeah. This is my peepaw, and this is my memoir. <laughs> and then this, 1923. In and amongst the two shows, you're, you're making the, the fifth. Well, I made the fifth Indiana Jones movie. Now I've got to go support its uh, release. 
movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark and all its sequels made Ford rich and famous. But when he was a young actor in college, he didn't dream of fame. He just wanted to work. So I imagined what the life of an actor was. You work for a discrete period of time with a, with a group of people you've never met before. And you make something, and you work your way through that, and then you put different lives. I, I, lived, I have lived many different lives. Not all those lives suit him. He has long struggled with the famous part. It's a big reason why he left L.A. for Wyoming. You said some really interesting things about, there's nothing good about being famous. You always think if I'm successful, then I'll have opportunities. You never figure the cost of fame will be a total loss of privacy. It's incalculable. Better word would be, uh, instead of privacy, would be anonymity. Yeah. Anonymity. To walk through, you know, the world without the world watching you. I mean, I was, it caught me by surprise and really threw me for a while. I was really uncomfortable because people would say, well, there's that guy. Right. It's not the coming up to you and asking you for an autograph. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's the watch. It's knowing that it's, you're, you're it's, eating. It's, it's knowing, yeah. What, the natural instinct of an actor is to be interested in, in human behavior. So you, you're a people watcher. Why are they looking at me, for Christ's sake? I'm trying to, why are the people watching me? Are they going to feed me now? Am I in a zoo? Uh, None of that is disrespect for the fans or anything. It's just a discomfort. No, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for the, the, the life they've given me, the opportunities they've given me. And I work for them. I really, I really feel that way. They support my... Uh, um, my Jones, you know, my habit. And what is that habit? Telling stories. Telling stories. If acting is Harrison Ford's habit, it is not one he's looking to break. He's recently signed on to join the Marvel Universe in a new Captain America movie. Doesn't, uh, doesn't sound like you're a, a guy thinking about uh, uh, calling it quits. No, I'm gonna, but I'm not going to re repeat what's gone on the last year. You might... Slow down, take a few months off, but, but you, you like this job. Yeah, yeah. I like my job. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Steve Hartman has a story about going the extra mile. Technically, 13-year-old Josiah Johnson of Louisville, Kentucky has a disability. But almost no one sees it because 
Josiah doesn't see it. Although born without legs, the kid has yet to find his kryptonite. Always did everything the other kids did. But that invincibility was put to the test last fall when Josiah decided to try out for the one sport where altitude is everything, the Moore Middle School basketball team. At this point, you may be wondering, why didn't he just join a wheelchair basketball team? It would certainly be a lot easier. Well, Josiah says, exactly. It was easy. It was too easy. You wanted more of a challenge? Yeah. The gumption it takes to be able to say, I'm going to go out and do that. Who has that kind of confidence? Me. <laughs> <laughs> but as Mother Whitney says, it's not just confidence. It's stubbornness. Josiah is very competitive, and if he feels like something is too easy, he's not going to do it. Still, Josiah knew making the team was a long shot. Fortunately, though, Josiah turned out to be pretty good at long shots. He made the team on his merits. And over the last few months has become a real contributor, getting offensive rebounds, assists, and because of his unique position on the floor, he has caused more than a few turnovers. He started taking the ball from people. He took the ball from me. I was mad. You would have thought Steph Curry was in the gym. But his teammates say his best play was a couple weeks ago. It was just a moment that I'm going to remember for like ever. It was the end of the game, seconds remaining. Josiah shoots from three. And again, his disability disappeared. What do you want people to take away from this? To do something that they thought they couldn't do. Josiah Johnson, inspiration and proof that all you need to stand above is confidence. Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning. If you like CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.